Hello and welcome to the Ganatantra podcast. I am Saryu Natarajan and I am Alok Prasanna Kumar. In this week's episode, we discuss federalism with a view to set up our episodes for the third part of season 2, uh, which is going to be focused on federalism and state politics. Yeah. Uh, we've sort of discussed some states in the past and uh, we found that there are some common themes emerging but also each states each state has its own very interesting trajectory in terms of politics that can't all just be reduced to caste or just can't all be reduced to history it is some very complex combination of the two and it is worth exploring as many states as we can for their own history and particular patterns of uh, development and what we hope to do in this episode and we'll talk about it a little more as we go on uh, is talk about the states which we hope to discuss in the upcoming episodes yeah. uh, to set the background context and also discuss a few of the themes that we hope to cover in the course of uh, rest of this season yes. yeah so uh, just to give a broad overview let's sort of start a little bit with the history of why we should be discussing states it's something that we sometimes forget that the states as we know them today originated before there was a union of india um it the, the states borders it, today are not drawn very randomly there's a very particular history about them if those of you who have studied history may recall that during the british period there was the presidency of bombay madras calcutta then there were of course united provinces bihar and bengal but apart from that there were a lot of princely states as well some of the larger ones were small countries in their own right if you talk about mysore if you talk about hyderabad if you talk about Baroda or Cochin uh, Cochin Travancore these are all fairly significant in their own right and uh, they haven't completely disappeared their identity hasn't completely disappeared even in the context of the modern indian state so in the 1935 for those of you who have studied history uh, there were legislatures created for the provinces uh, for the various provinces under british uh, india which had plenary legislative power i mean plenary in the sense of it was power given by the then uh, sovereign which was uh, the uk parliament itself and there were there was some experience of electoral politics at the state level and it wouldn't surprise many of you that more or less the same structure has been retained in the context of the indian constitution in fact if you see the lists and if you see the provisions relating to federalism you will find that they are more or less identical to uh, to the 1935 government of india act yeah absolutely and these histories and the way in which these were formed are critical in thinking about the way state politics happens today and to alok's point uh, this has been Uh, enshrined in the constitution in the form of the lists hmm. and the provisions relating to federalism uh, relating to the resolution of interstate disputes the rights of the states and the rights of the union etc uh, but if you think about the lists and the legislation that has happened at the state and the union level in the context of the lists that has been very central in framing more contemporary identities in the context of Uh, the states yeah. uh, and in fact if you think about the history of the formation and we don't want to go into it in too much depth in this episode because that is something we hope to pick up over the course of this uh, the rest of this season uh, the question of state identity is built around the need for development or the quest for development uh, is something that was uh, was central in central in the context of let's say telangana yeah. uh, and in the context of other states as well jharkhand in some measure hmm. chatisgarh in some other measure so it so to think about the states and the way they exist today even over and beyond the the states that st- that were at, there in the formation of the union uh, it's very sent- it's very critical to think about the way in which uh, politics played a role social movements played a role in their formation etc yeah and if you actually look through the constituent assembly debates you will find that a lot of today what we see happening with states is 
foreshadowed by some of the discussions that take place. You know, whether we're talking about the role of governors becoming sort of uh, agents of the center, or whether you know uh, concerns about linguistic minorities, uh, concerns about Adivasis, all of these are expressed in the constant assembly debates. But when it actually comes to finding place in the constitution, or rather drawing up the boundaries of the states in a particular way to address this, there's a sense that this is not the time for it. And in a sense, probably, the, and you'll find Nehru saying this, you'll find Ambedkar saying this, you'll find a lot of leaders of the Congress party saying this. In a sense, they were not wrong because the constitution, and time and time again, it's worth repeating, was framed in a very particular historical context. And in as much as they were looking far ahead into the future, they couldn't completely lose sight of that particular historical context, which was the partition. Partition had taken place. You've seen large-scale movement of people. You had instantly just had a war with Pakistan. You had the problem of integrating very, very different kinds of uh, peoples among the Indian Union. So in a sense, there, there is the, the phrase that it gets used around a lot as fissiparous tendencies. <laughs> you don't find it used very often, but if you look back in history, you'll find this phrase occurring fairly often. And there was a sense that we need to have a more centralized unitary structure but almost immediately after independence this gets questioned uh, we find the demand for linguistic states right we find the demand for linguistic states we have Potisha Maramalu who goes on a fast for a Telugu speaking state um, he dies of course that and to stave that off Nehru sets up the linguistic states commission headed by justice uh, Saif, uh, by justice by justice Fazal Ali of the supreme court and they give a recommendation for the creation of linguistic states you know, as a result of which, of course, you have Karnataka, Tamil Nadu, Kerala, Andhra coming into uh, existence. Uh, interestingly, Odisha, even though it was not part of the linguistic states, it existed prior to the uh, constitution itself. Um, after that, immediately after that, and you, of course, have Gujarat and Maharashtra being created, uh, separated from the larger Bombay state. Very interestingly, about a few years later, there's a separation in Punjab, which what, what today we know as Punjab, Haryana, for a while, Delhi and Uttarakhand were, oh, sorry, and Mahimachal Pradesh were all part of one giant unit. Uh, and of course, was in, included among them were the smaller states such as Patiala, uh, which were princely states and not integrated. So these then got reorganized into Punjab and Haryana, divided on the basis of religion. And this is something that is not very much talked about. And we hope to actually discuss this in one episode. Um, the Sikh, Sikh, um, uh, the significant Sikh population of Punjab wanted a Sikh majority state and hence it was separated from Haryana and Punjab. Uh, I suppose in the context of the immediate partition riots which took place, this probably doesn't make sense. And Himachal Pradesh was completely different in a lot of ways and only happened to be part of Punjab due to certain historical things was separated out. We didn't have too many other states. You had states being renamed, of course. Uh, and new states really only happened towards the end of the uh, previous millennium when you had three states which were born. Uh, on the basis of, uh, or rather divided, reorganized in that way, on the basis of tribal identity. You had Chhattisgarh carved out of Madhya Pradesh, Jharkhand carved out of Bihar, and Uttarakhand carved out of Uttar Pradesh. Keep in mind, something similar, right? No, not exactly along the same lines happened to the state of Assam. You had Nagaland carved out first, you had Meghalaya, then Mizoram, Manipur. Uh, Manipur was itself a separate state. Uh, Tripura, which was also a princely state, got sort of recognized, but you had Nagaland, you had uh, Meghalaya carved out. Uh, but specifically for, uh, you know, a reorganization of these states, this took place. Two other very small states which got in, incorporated into the Indian Union were Goa and Sikkim. They initially started off as Union territories and then later became states. So you've had a very interesting and complex uh, development. And of course, the story ends with Telangana, 
And now, of course, we've just seen the first state lose its status as a state and become a union territory. So the reverse has happened. The reverse as has well. happened as well. Actually, it happened to Delhi also, right? Right in the beginning, but you're not in such a very public and open way. Be that as it may, um, we've seen. I mean, the, the, it, it wasn't as if you know India was this giant mass and it was all divided up among boundaries in one smooth and neat process. And there's a very complex history by which all of this takes place. And what I've just said is a gross oversimplification of Absolutely. many complex movements. This is, you know, at least 25 books. This is at least 25, more. if not more. Uh, in fact, you know, I, the only one thought here is if you want to get an understanding of what these linguistic boundaries mean in the formation of states really really means it's sort of the ground level and how it's enacted on the ground. Watch this fantastic Kannada movie called Sarkara Hiriya. Pratimika Shale. Pratimika Shale. It's a beautiful, it's yes. set in Kasargod. Uh, in a Canada minority institution. Yeah. Uh, and to be able to think about, as Rakshit Shetty, Mundi hmm. Kim can do, yeah. uh, thinks about the the way in which language plays out in, in local politics and yes. even in local imaginations. Yes. Um, Keep in mind, Kasakod is part of Kerala. And even though it's a Kannada-speaking district, um, this is a Kannada minority school in Kasakod, which is negotiating with the Kerala state government on whether or not Malayalam should be the language of instruction. And I'm, you, and I'm pretty sure you can take those events and without too much, too many changes, say incorporate it into a, uh, I don't know, maybe uh, not somewhere in Belgaum. My well, mother, you will, yes. My mother taught in a Kannada minority institution in Hyderabad. In Hyderabad. Yeah, you could, you could, you could potentially, in a sense of a Marathi minority institution mm. in Belgaum, yeah. you could potentially have a Telugu minority institution in say maybe Vellore. Uh, in, uh, uh, in in Tamil Nadu and vice versa, perhaps in Tirupati someplace. Uh, and, and like these linguistic boundaries, you know, we see them as neat lines on the map, uh, but they're never so rigid. Like, and, and in reality, people keep moving across these boundaries and always complicating the picture of what it means to be in a linguistic majority state. Absolutely. And it, it, one of the very interesting sort of uh, methods of research, uh, I can't say emerged, uh, but is a result of these state boundaries is because boundaries are, I mean, artificial hmm. and they pass through relatively homogeneous parts of the country, uh, measuring, let's say, development outcomes on mm. either side of the state boundary allows you to attribute it to the state's performance. Yes. So there's similar, there's this kind of research being done in Kasargod, in fact, uh, and just across the border, it's being done in Chhattisgarh and Madhya Pradesh right. to isolate the effects of state performance. state performance. So being able to go into some of these questions is also what we hope to do in the rest of these episodes. Yeah. And uh, the issues that we have just discussed, um, they, some of these are part of constitutional design. Actually, one of the things that I sort of occurred to me while I've been, when I've been talking about this, I wonder how much of a role was played by some of the politics around governors in the formation of linguistic states um, in terms of, say, Potishi uh, Ramalu's fast comes about a year and a bit after the gover- governor of Madras province, Sri Prakasha, ensures that the Congress party comes to power, even though they, they, even though they don't have a majority. Uh, and keep in mind that the the opposition then, which came together, coalesced, were a largely a group of Andhra-based parties, including the communists, had a stronger base in Andhra than in what is now Tamil Nadu. I wonder if there are direct links, and I wonder if someone has explored it, and we'd, we'd love to, of course, talk about it in some more detail. So these are very complex processes, right? It's never that somebody made a demand for ling- uh, linguistic process and they happen. In fact, even the demand for Karnataka, for instance, is actually about at least 100 years old by the time Karnataka state was created. Because it largely came not from Mysore 
principality as you know even though it is now identified most closely with karnataka it actually came from bombay karnataka and it actually came to a significant extent from hyderabad karnataka and this process it's actually been a much older uh, demand so we we sort of want to go into some of these de- uh, details in depth obviously we can't cover every single state yeah. but what we have in mind are some states which are probably representative of a certain region yes uh, and we some other states we have already discussed but specifically in the context of uh, let's say uh, the elections and the results but this we want to go in depth and understand the background of these states and the story of these states absolutely i think our earlier episodes uh, in season 1 were in the context of the 2019 elections where we were trying to understand how the elections could play out yeah. uh, in the context of current state politics what we want to do here in this series of episodes is really dig sort of do the double click yes uh, to use contemporary lingo uh, do the double click in terms of understanding some of the historical background in understand why things are the way they are yeah. uh, not just what are the way in which things are located at the current yes. moment and and some of these have come through in other episodes that we have talked about federalism and states and uh, one of the very important uh, learnings that we have you know that we've taken away from our episodes has been the notion of asymmetric federalism uh, professor swan uh, who spoke to us largely in the context of the northeast uh, and assam uh, made this point very clearly about how not every state in the indian union enjoys the same relationship with the union as every other state unlike in the us where all say all 50 states have the same relation um there are special concessions for each state uh, in the indian constitution itself and this was part of design this was as we have discussed in the episode relating to kashmir this was part of the design the idea was that there would be enough flexibility that each state could negotiate as different relationship with the union as and when required and this is a theme which cuts across Uh, multiple states and we'll sort of hope to be developing this and how it impacts each state individually yes. particularly how and what aspect of its history has required this particular aspect of asymmetric federalism absolutely and i think building on from the idea of asymmetric federalism um uh, is the notion of uh, sort of the different kinds of party politics that have emerged in each of these states um uh, if you think about uh, professor kailash's episode and this was in the early part of season 1 one of the very interesting points that he mentioned and he's a guest that we hope to have again and again yes. <laughs> uh, one of the very interesting uh, points he mentioned was the variation between or the difference between regionalist and regional political parties so regionalist political parties are those that have some element of a regional identity in their political plank uh, you could think of examples like uh, the dmk in tamil nadu the shiv sena to some extent uh they do have a nativist plank and there seems to be the rise of marathi identity but yes absolutely so there's some kind of regionalist uh, regionalist identity in these political parties and then there are regional political parties that might be related to a caste group that it mobilizes but have more cross cutting themes in their uh in their agenda and these are regionally located but uh, don't necessarily have a, a nativist identity or nativist right. plank on which yeah. they fight so examples could be the jdu in uh, bihar the jds in karnataka so these are so one of the very interesting things that uh, professor kailash mentioned in that episode was actually that regionalist political parties because of their ability to localize the dispute and i think you made the point earlier yeah. around regional identities sort of predating even the national identity um have a better ability to res- resist 
large national parties and their tendencies yeah. in fact we saw this in the karnataka elections in 2018 where the congress very much tried to behave like a regionalist political party yeah. where they used kannada as a plank there yeah. was an objection to the 15th finance commission recommendations um uh, there was the kannada flag and the erasure of the metro boards for yes. the hindi signage yes. so there was quite a lot of that so the way in which this is played out it's been enacted quite a bit in karnataka yeah um but definitely in other states as well and this is a theme that we hope to sort of uh, uh dig deeper into as we go along one other interesting uh, point that comes through about uh, regional and regionalist parties is coalitions in the sense that not they don't always fight in opposition to a national party they work on coalitions with national parties and we have seen that even when a single party has a majority on its own it still has to try and keep its coalition partners happy if nothing else to win state level elections uh, we've seen that this seems to be the biggest shift and in, in, i mean this is very initial subject to change over the next few years nda2 seems to be seeing more of a revolt with among its uh, alliance partners and is more focused on placating them since they've actually seen the shiv sena walk out and are realizing that those threats become reality very quickly they have made peace with akali dal they have allowed they've not, not allowed perhaps but they've worked out a deal where akali dal maintains its opposition to the ca and nrc um they've recognized that jdu will be the lead partner in bihar and they won't try to impose their uh, will on them um one could potentially say that the concessions being made for tamil nadu is a outcome and a reflection of that uh, aidmk being the ally there so perhaps even a party which is sort of as hegemonic as the bjp in uh, post 2014 india is finding that coalition politics requires a certain level of skill and management it can't just be dismissed simply because of a single party majority so this came through actually in our uh, in our episode with christian anderson where she talked about what kind of sort of coalitions adhere and what sort of par- uh, parties attract coalition partners she sort of did it at the state level but it's a great way to think about how coalitions have emerged at the state level also that sometimes when we say the congress or the, for example if we take kerala when we say congress or cpm they're actually ignoring that there are a large group of coalitions headed by the congress and cpm and likewise in tamil nadu dmk and aidmk are actually a bunch of coalitions headed by dmk and aidmk with smaller parties flipping between the two trying to optimize their uh, performance absolutely and i think the other sort of theme that we need to keep in mind is building on the idea of coalition politics and kalash's points around um, regionalist identities is this notion of a imagination of a local india like an india that resides in the minds of kannadiga voters let's say in the context of karnataka and an india which is more broadly imagined yeah. and both these imaginations exist in individuals minds hmm. in that a resident of the state of karnataka uh, has both these imaginations at all points right. of time in their heads yeah. and this came out very interestingly in uh, mk raghavendra's episode uh, that we recently released on cinema and politics uh, when he talks about this kind of identity in the context of how films play out so kannada yes. films have to have a particular imagination of india and a particular imagination uh, of the state that speaks to the local uh, la- speaks in the local language to the local community uh, whereas bollywood is somewhat freer of some of these constraints in how it imagines the indian identity and, and in the sense that both of them are speaking to a certain idea of a nation uh, it is just that their ideas of nations are kind of different but they are not mutually contradictory they are they are capable perfect as we sort of discussed they are perfectly capable of existing within each other and when we in talk about in the same person yeah. so when we talk about the history of states 
it is it it it's kind of helpful to keep in this little paradox in mind that people are perfectly capable of having a larger idea of this india but that but the notion of the nation is not just india they see the states themselves as a nation which you know fits within an idea of india so you have to keep that in mind also when we discuss uh, state politics yes i think the last kind of thing uh, thing to think about is uh, the ways in which political parties have grown yeah. uh, and the trajectories and the ups and downs in some ways uh, if you think about the success of the or not the success yet uh, but the remarkable growth of the bjp in bengal hmm. and the way in which they have systematically gone about growing and acquiring uh, groups of voters into their fold uh, is something to think about like if you think about Uh, the bjp in maharashtra as well as the bjp in west bengal their strategy has been one of accretion where yeah. they've grown the party by bringing on board groups this again is something that i saw in my field work as well where mm. the where the strategy is differentiated depending on who the audience is there does seem to be a visible national plank built on ideas of like nationalism ideas of sort of an indian identity uh, but uh, one of the very interesting instrumental strategies by which the bjp grows uh, is also through this process of creation uh, so being able to think about caste groups not just as who do they vote for but how have they been brought into the fold of a particular political party at least predominantly speaking yeah. is something that we hope to touch upon in the context of some of these statistics that's right and or to keep all of these things i think we can give a, we, we want to end this episode by giving you a very broad overview of what you can expect to hear over the next uh, couple of months uh, we as we mentioned we'll have a few episodes to discuss a particular state in some depth some of the states that we really want to discuss as an illustration of some of the things that we've talked about and states that we also haven't discussed in enough detail perhaps are karnataka kerala uh, and orissa and also punjab uh, some other states which we have discussed to some extent but want to revisit to go back into a little bit into its depth and history are perhaps bihar and bengal and we'll cheat a little bit and include delhi as one of the states <laughs> because delhi's politics are very interesting um you we have seen that uh, delhi has given rise to a new political party uh, which is limit which we thought people thought was actually outside delhi but it's now limited to delhi and we are recording this just as uh, the elections for uh, delhi uh, state state and courts government is uh, going to is going to begin in sometime this weekend uh, but it is a politics which tends to dominate the narratives which people are very keenly following and it has a very interesting history on its own right and if you want to explore beyond these states slash delhi uh, we also want to intersperse our episodes with discussions over a couple of themes and some of these themes will help illustrate why some things have happened the way they have happened we've mentioned asymmetric federalism i think this is something we definitely want to keep coming back to yeah uh, not just because of sort of uh, part of what we spoke about with uh, professor suan was in the context of assam yeah. uh, and the northeast more broadly uh, but kashmir is something that we need to keep thinking about and sort of the process by which there was asymmetric federalism and then there's been a roll back in some sense so yeah. you think about the changes around article 370 you know now who's the biggest uh, demand where the biggest demand for article 370 is coming from jammu hindus The BJP's core strongest vote base, the ones whom they basically won by promising to repeal Article 370, are now going on strikes and are now banging on the doors of the Delhi leadership in Delhi, demanding the restoration of something like an Article 370 in Jammu and Kashmir. And it's a most—it's—it's—it's it's, it's sort of not as paid attention to in light of the CA and RC things, 
but it's a most interesting set of developments that I think is just worth talking about in its own right, but we'll probably discuss it in the larger context of asymmetric federalism in uh, Indian context. I definitely think so. And I think, I mean, irony, hello. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, absolutely, I think asymmetric federalism is something that we need need to understand because it's as much... uh, a political confession as much as it is a political instrument yeah. as we have seen it being used. Yeah. So I think being thoughtful about why, how, etc. is something we want to do over the course of this uh, yeah. this series of episodes. We also want to talk about fiscal federalism in this context, which is... Uh, Money. Do-do. <laughs> uh, in the sense that we take it for granted that states are supposed to somehow run magically on their own, that they will exercise all these legal legal and legislative powers on their own. But I don't think enough uh, of our discussions about federalism in India happens over federal fiscal federalism and how the states raise their money, where they get it from and how they spend it. And this is changing dramatically, by the yeah. way, uh, not to say that nobody's talking about it. Uh, so so the, this, this episode has just been recorded as the interim report of the 15th Finance Commission has been released, which only covers the next financial year. It doesn't cover the, all five uh, financial years it's supposed to. That report will come out later this year. But already there are... Fever discussions on social media, if not yet on the pages of newspapers about how certain states have suffered more than others, how much money they are, quote unquote, losing because of the recommendations which call for a redistribution of how the center gives money to the states. And this is a process which I think beyond about five people in Delhi would not have animated discussions, maybe even 10 years ago, right? Absolutely. It's Again, to, uh, I think... Kailash made the point, and this is something that's come up in other episodes as well. Uh, the idea of regionalism and pulling debates back into the state level and perhaps even further down has okay. been a strategy by which political parties have sought to resist the advances or the advancement of nationalist political parties. Okay. And so it is perhaps unsurprising. Uh, some of it is perhaps fueled by social media, desire for likes and all of that. But I think to be very critical and thoughtful about it, yeah. uh, this has its roots in the growing tendency for parties to have national identities. Right. And w- whereas historically, um, and even today, elections are fought on fairly local issues. So I think being thoughtful of, about fiscal federalism. But that also brings me to something that, you know, uh, has it should form more of our discussion, really. And if we hope to, because... It was one of the things that was totally glossed. In fact, it's, it's, it's very funny if I can take a two-minute diversion. Two things that was absolutely not discussed in any constitutional law class, and I verified this with multiple people across generations of law students. Nobody discussed citizenship and fiscal federalism when we had our constitutional law courses. Citizenship was like, ah, it's there, don't bother about it. And fiscal federalism, like, really, really, you really want to talk about this? Fine, nobody wanted to talk about it. But if you look at the two big themes for discussion going on right now in India 2020, it is citizenship and it is fiscal federalism. It is states sort of making very public their fight. And it's it's not just in the context of the Finance Commission. We've seen this debate happening over the GST. We have seen states raise their demands. We have seen states make demands to the center for flood relief, for this relief, for that. We've had the Chief Minister of Karnataka publicly upbraid Modi during a a, a political rally saying, where's our money in practical, uh, practical effects. So, this is something that uh, is part of it that was never really taken that seriously. Like, hi, I'll take care of it, sir. Don't bother it. But we've seen that so much more of our constitution is now, and thanks to federalism, thanks, of course, to some parties raising the issues, 
uh, has animated discussion in the public domain. So we hope to, at least in the context of uh, federal fiscal federalism, uh, we hope to do both things. We want to be able to explain the constitutional structure because not too many people, and people are aware of how much a state is losing or gaining, but people are not aware of the intricate architecture by which uh, the state state governments get money and what sort of levers it gives the union government and what is good or bad about it. And so we hope to have a full-fledged discussion. Absolutely. And this is one of the most deeply political things. I think it speaks to very many of the themes we've raised over the course of this episode. Uh, one is the coexistence of a national identity and a Karnataka identity in, in you know, in the same individual. Uh, in the desire of states to resist or state regional political parties or political parties at the state level to resist the impulses of a nationalist political party, particularly the BJP, which is seen significant growth since 2014. It also goes to fundamental questions of identities because it relates to demographics uh, in the way that populations have grown less rapidly in some of the southern states versus the northern states. And this is an issue that's uh, amenable to being politicized and therefore a way to bring national issues back to the state level. So this this is one of the most... um, one issue that brings together very many trends that are in existence today in the context of Indian politics. Absolutely. And uh, given this slate of uh, issues that we hope to discuss, uh, I'm sure we'll have some very interesting episodes. If uh, the first two parts of this season are anything to go by, we can promise some very interesting and intense discussions. And uh, we hope to bring uh, some nuanced perspectives on this. And we hope over the next two months, you will get some very thoughtful this episodes on our part that uh, leave you more informed and perhaps give you m- much more to think about in the context of the Indian, Indian politics. Yes. Thank you very much. And we look forward to engaging with you. Do reach out to us on our Twitter page, which is at Ganatantra P. Write to us at Ganatantra podcast at gmail.com. If you have any thoughts on how uh, we could do more, any thoughts on more episodes, any thoughts on more themes you'd like to see discussed, uh, bouquets, brickbats, everything. Uh, so thank you very much for tuning in and see you next week. See you next week.